you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Monday, February 20th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest. He's used to sharing that line, but it's guest yes. singular today. He is the exception to the jack of all trades, master of none principle, because he hasn't merely jack dabbled in multiple disciplines. He has mastered them all radio, television, podcasting, play by play, hosting, and analysis, whilst maintaining that's right, whilst maintaining an enviable combination of gentle demeanor, smooth delivery, and authentic passion. I do not know anyone else who rises with such range to that standard. Oh, and he's the keeper of the uh, 26th pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Well, his giants are anyway. He's the sweet potato kid. He's Mike Yam. Welcome back to the pod, Yammer. I'll let Joe Shane figure out what he wants to do with that pick. I will uh, I'll lean on his expertise because it was a good draft last year. Well, I'm certain he'll call you to get your advice. I realize you must be on his uh, short list yeah, of, right. uh, of confidants. <laughs> I wish. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And on today's show, Mike's got a perfect pick for his Giants at 25. Or is it 26? Well, actually, it's 26, but technically it's 25. Look, the Dolphins really made this very confusing this year. They have forfeited the 21st overall pick. The Giants were slotted in at 26, but technically they'll be picking 25th overall. Anyway, Mike's got a pick for his Giants. He is also naming names of NFL prospects who caught his eye either on the field during the college season or maybe at the East-West Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl. And Mike is here to share those names. Those names, by the way, taken from the file marked no. No stands for not obvious. So if you're waiting for a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud comment, you're not going to get it. Prepare to be a smarter Combine fan in a few moments. Thank you, Mike, in advance. We will call out the eight teams with the biggest Super Bowl window. Bucky Brooks has given us a list of eight teams with a big Super Bowl window. I don't even know what that means exactly. Eight teams with the best chance of making a Super Bowl run, I suppose. Windows of opportunity. I assume that's what we mean here. In Bucky's estimation, eight NFL teams are looking through a giant pane of glass. You know, the kind that you see fronting modern art museums. Personally, I get a little annoyed at these forced sportsy motifs, selfishly probably, because... If there is such a thing as a Super Bowl window, my Washington Commanders version is one of those medieval castle slats, just big enough for an archer to shoot through, but hardly big enough to support the vision of an NFL franchise's Super Bowl dream. Ah, oh, what the hell do I know? Look, I reckon the Chiefs make the list. Do the Eagles make the list with all the names they are expected to say goodbye to this offseason? Are the Cowboys on the list? And if so, why? 
all to be answered. Speaking of the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy will be calling plays in Dallas this season. Kellen Moore, of course, is off to LA to call plays for Justin Herbert and the Bolts. What should we, and more importantly, what should Dak Prescott expect in the way of changes with Coach Mike on the mic? Well, the helmet mic. What do combine running backs need to show to impress at the combine? Is it a standard annual list? Why, as a matter of fact, no, it isn't. It's a whole new world for running backs in the NFL, and the requirements are new with it. Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson is here with the keys to conquering the Combine. The second annual HBCU Combine began today in New Orleans. We will have a report from the practice field of the Saints for that one. Plus, Derek Carr visited the Jets this past weekend. He had already visited with the Saints. What is the best fit for Derek? His big bro David Carr will join us and attempt to sound mysterious and uncertain in the process on that topic. Let's see, what else? Aaron Rodgers is back where he belongs. No, not in the dark, in the news. Is it time for the Jordan Love era to begin in earnest in Green Bay? And what about Lamar Jackson? NFL teams can start the franchise tag process with their players tomorrow, Tuesday. The assumption is that Lamar Jackson will be given the exclusive franchise tag, which will secure him for one year at $45 million. Now, in this scenario, the Ravens would control his rights. Jackson, of course, may be hoping for the non-exclusive tag. That is certainly a lower number in terms of annual salary, $32.4 million, but it would allow Jackson to negotiate with other clubs who could then secure the quarterback by surrendering two first-round draft picks to Baltimore. That the asking price in Balmer. What will happen in Baltimore? What should happen in Baltimore? And there's some sexy Rexy news. That's Rex Ryan, which, well, that certainly challenges the definition of sexy for me, but hey, everybody's got their thing and we are here for it. And we have a special shout out to give to our dear friend, D'Angelo Hall, who picked up a coaching gig in the NFL. And sad though we are to report it, we are so psyched for him. That is all coming up. But first, this. Carr looking downfield, lofts it near corner. Adams wide open at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win on a beautiful strike from Derek Carr. Ah, yes. Finer days for Derek Carr in silver and black. But of course, he was released last week from the Las Vegas Raiders. And since he has visited with the Jets this past weekend, having already visited with the Saints, two teams that if you look at them through the right prism in the right light are ready to win right now. But which team would be best for D.C.? That's the question. Here's the answer. Nothing better, though, though, when it comes to a soap opera, a free agency in the NFL. Made reference to it. David knows about this. Derek Carr with an opportunity to pick his next home. In fact, over the weekend, Derek in New York to meet with the Jets. Now, keep in mind, Carr has already visited with the Saints. New York, though, they're looking for some stability. This past season, the Jets used three different starting quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco. And David, you remember these days, man. I grew up reading the oh, back the of the best. Post and the Daily News. The headline not here, the Daily News. Are, are we going to see? I mean, this is not, I, I would say this is like an average back page for the New York yeah, Post. Yeah, they've done better. Yeah, uh, the gang to test the car during a weekend visit. Not, not awful. We would like input on what gets put on there, which photo, all yes. of that. But yes, yeah. next little trip to New York, New Jersey, if you yeah, will. Um, any reports back from your brother on how that went? No, it was a good trip. It's like he's not going to be in a situation where he just gets on a plane to right. go have fun in New York, no. which as much as we would love to do that. Would love that. Volunteer is Yeah, it'd be fine. But, yeah, Derek had a great trip. So he went there to, to get a feel for how they work, you know, from the top down. And mm -hmm. everyone he met, and we knew he would love Robert Sala. I've known yeah. Robert for a while. MJ knows Robert. He's fantastic. And they hit it off, and they – they would love to work together. But there's a lot of questions that have to be asked. You know, he has to, he has to find out how the inner workings of obviously the front office works. But then also, I think the most important thing for him as a veteran quarterback, what is it going to be like as an offensive play caller and a quarterback in that relationship? Todd Downing is there. He has a relationship with Todd. Nathaniel Hackett is also there. So how does all that work? And, yeah. and they had a good, a, a good chat. They, they talked about a lot of different things. And obviously the team is, is just in need of a quarterback and some stability there. They have a lot of good components. There's a lot of things that are very positive about the Jets. He had a great trip. So it's it, it's honestly, it's, it's going to be a long process, though. There's yeah. He really only has the Saints, 
the Raiders and the Jets to kind of compare those three places. And so he wants to do his due diligence and see as many places as he can to get a feel for what the best place for him will be. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because LT, of course, the other visit that he's taken now is to New Orleans to chat with the Saints a little bit. Where do you see this as a better fit for Derek? Is it the Saints or with your former team, the Jets? Yeah, MJ, I'm going to say my former team, the Jets. And I see Derek, uh, David there is wearing the Jets tie, the Smart. green tie. Interesting. So, uh, David, you know, I picked up on that. Smart man. I don't know if you did that on purpose. But if Derek giving. is listening right now, <laughs> <laughs> if, if your brother is listening right now, he has a boatload of young talent in New York, starting yeah. with yeah. Garrett Wilson, you know, the NFL Rookie of the Year wide receiver. And then he also has Brees Hall, who's a stud. Obviously got hurt during his rookie year, but coming back from injury. But he's going to be a stud. So he can mold this young talent and teach them how to win football games. The main problem with the Jets last year is they simply couldn't sustain drives, especially on third down. And when you look at all three of their quarterbacks combined, under 60% completion percentage. Guess what? Derek Carr for his career averages 65% completion percentage. So he's going to help that team, you know, stay on the road, you know, sustain drives and ultimately put the ball in the end zone. So I would love to see him go to New York. He has a great defense to back him up there as well and get the football back to him. Come on, Derek, go to New York. Yeah, they also have the defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner there as well, a team that already we thought would take a little bit more time, but already clicking and in win now mode. That's the latest take on Derek Carr. We turn now to the quarterbacking firm of Rogers, Jackson and Love. For more on those three, let's send it back over to the TA set. There is some rumblings about this guy, Aaron Rodgers, maybe heading to New York. The Jets maybe thinking about him to fill that position at that quarterback spot. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that Green Bay Packers general manager Brian Gunacoust told an NFL colleague he was convinced it was time the organization move on from Rodgers and see what Jordan Love is for a little bit more NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero is with us. So, Tom, this is kind of like one of these juicy storylines here. What can you tell us about Green Bay and Rodgers in this relationship? Well, Mike, what we do know is that whatever happens from here, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers will work through this together. The Packers cannot trade Aaron Rodgers if he does not want to be traded. He would need to sign a revised contract to facilitate any deal from Green Bay's end. Could also simply say, I'm not showing up, and that would be enough to scuttle any deal. If Rodgers wants to be back in Green Bay and is fully bought in, the Packers would want him back, though there certainly would need to be additional conversations to make sure that everybody is on the same page about the direction of the franchise and the roster. All of which is without mentioning the Rodgers has not even committed to playing for anyone in 2023. He has said publicly that retirement remains an option. If he does end up playing next season, he is due almost $60 million fully guaranteed. So stay tuned as he emerges from the darkness. Mike. (laughs) Bring on the light here. Tom, more from you. We'll talk to some quarterbacks here in just a moment. But MJ, it sounds like there's some hurdles here on this Green Bay quarterback situation. No question. And a lot to think through, too, because you think about the future of Jordan Love and what we've seen from him in limited situations so far. But is it time for them to usher in that new era with Jordan Love under center, David? Yeah, I believe it's time. I I think that everyone, as Aaron emerges from the darkness, I think that he'll (laughs) see the light. I I expect him to retire or I expect him to play with another football team. I don't think that he's going to make $59 million playing for the Packers next year. I think that there's been enough progress from Jordan Love and what the Packers have seen internally to suggest, hey, we could probably try to rally around this guy with some of that money that we would pay Aaron. And I think we could still play pretty good football and maybe even play better football. I'm not saying Jordan Love's going to be better than Aaron Rodgers, but I think from a business and a team standpoint, you probably could field a better football team with some of those resources. So, you know, what does that do? That just puts Jordan Love firmly in the driver's seat to be the Packers quarterback going forward. And there's, I mean, there's, there's pressure every time you play quarterback, but I really think that he's done a good job of, of developing. And I've seen him grow from the pocket and he started to look like Aaron. That's what's really interesting is you see these quarterbacks that spend a lot of time together and you see him start to develop some of the traits that Aaron has and his mannerisms and the way that he throws. And why not? you know, try to copy one of the greatest of all time in Aaron Rodgers. So I think that Jordan's going to be in a great situation with some good players around him, and Aaron will be on to something else. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, past history tells us 
exactly what's going to happen in this situation. And, you know, I, I look back at interactions on the sideline between players and coaches, and it just seems to me over the years, over the last year, it's kind of worn thin. You know, their relationship is soured a little bit. And, you know, that happens, obviously, with great players and quarterbacks. So I do think it's time to move on to Jordan Love. And if you're going to do it, this is the perfect time because the Green Bay Packers still have, you know, a lot of good pieces, including a great offensive line. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. They can still run the football so they can protect the young Jordan Love by running the football and obviously getting the ball out of his hands in that offense. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I just think Aaron hasn't been happy for a little while. And, and, and this situation has, you know, been something that has been one that we have watched closely. And, that, and I really believe that in the next month or so, we're going to know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, Aaron Maybe Rodgers, sooner. Aaron Rodgers himself said he wasn't going to drag this out sort of like last season with all the uncertainty. But as far as Jordan Love, we saw the most playing time from him in 2022. That was week 12 against the Eagles, has played in 10 NFL games, only one as a starter. That was in 2021 in Week 9. Yammer, over to you with storylines that have transitioned into the offseason. Yeah, I'm with you on this Lamar Jackson situation. Now, keep in mind, NFL teams can start the franchise tag process with their players tomorrow. The assumption is Lamar Jackson gets tagged. The Ravens could use the exclusive franchise tag, secure him for a one-year deal at $45 million. They control his rights. A non-exclusive tag at $32.4 million would permit Jackson to negotiate with other clubs who could then secure the quarterback by surrendering two first-round picks to Baltimore, Tom Pelissero is back with us. Tom, what do you anticipate the Ravens doing with Jackson? Mike, all options remain on the table for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who have been trying to negotiate on a long-term deal now for more than a year. As you mentioned, if they cannot work out a long-term deal prior to the window for the franchise tag closing on March 7th, then the Ravens' plan is to tag Jackson. That exclusive tag would bar Jackson from negotiating with any other team. It also would allow the Ravens to control a potential trade market. The non-exclusive tag would allow Jackson to negotiate with other teams, which potentially would let the Ravens have someone else do what they haven't been able to and lock up the uh, former NFL MVP on a deal that the Ravens could match. If they don't match it, of course, as you mentioned, then Jackson would be gone and they in turn would get two first round draft picks. Now, it is possible here that the Ravens could trade Lamar Jackson for a windfall of draft picks, but also important to note, he would have veto power in that situation because in order to tag a franchise, or excuse me, to trade a franchise tagged player, that player needs to sign their franchise tender and approve the deal. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. Okay, that's the quarterback news. Now to the coaching news. Rex Ryan. Yes, that Rex Ryan. And our dear friend, D'Angelo Hall, making headlines today. We will get to them in a moment. After a question about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, yes, you could argue that there have been nothing but questions about the Dallas Cowboys for what, the last 27 years? But I digress. Again, here's the question. What should Dak Prescott expect from Coach Mike, who is now the man on the mic, now calling plays since the departure, of course, of Kellen Moore, now on his way to Los Angeles to call plays for Justin Herbert and the Bolts? What should Dak Prescott expect from Mike McCarthy? Well, the man on our mic is Mike Yam. Mike Yam, take the mic. Oh, there's a change on offense for the Cowboys. Kellen Moore no longer the team's OC. It'll be Mike McCarthy calling the plays. Last season, they were fourth in points per game. Average 21 in Cooper Rush starts, 30 points per game when Dak was out there. Prescott saying that McCarthy told him to expect a 20 to 30% difference in the play calling from last season. I don't know if that's a big chunk or if it's a small chunk, but the reality is there's going to be some differences there. LT, in that 20 to 30%, what do you want to see from this Cowboys offense different from a season ago? Well, the first thing is handle business with Tony Pollard. He is a priority mm-hmm. uh, in my mind for them to get him back in that offense because that creates everything that they want to do on offense. It's going to start with Tony Pollard. That explosive element out the backfield is going to help Dak Prescott in being more mobile. And I'm sure that's the part of the 20 to 30% that Mike McCarthy is talking about, getting Dak Prescott on the move a little bit more. Maybe you do do more RPOs with Tony Pollard, but because of that explosive element, that will allow uh, Dak Prescott to get out on the perimeter, use his legs, or throw the football from time to time. But I believe that's most of the change that Mike McCarthy is talking about. Yeah, I agree with you, LT. I think that what you do is you get Pollard back and you put a fullback in front of him and you emphasize the ground game. I think what's been nice is watching the Cowboys, at least on the defensive side, be able to answer the physical bell. And I I say that because two years ago they played San Francisco, as you guys remember, and they just got bounced at home, physically beat up. And they, they made some strides there. I think that last year their defense was a much more physical unit, and they were able to kind of hold up against that. Now I think the offense has to jump on that same train, and they have to start to be, be more physical, put a fullback in there, let Tony Pollard run the football out, outside zone. And McCarthy's done that before. He's been in that mode before. He's, he can go back in his playbook and bust out an old Green Bay Packer playbook and see the fact that they have run the football physically. And then get another receiver opposite CD. Then you make the game so simple. You can run the football. You can pound the rock. You can throw it outside when you get your one-on-ones. And, and not that Gallup has been bad. He just has come back from an injury. That's going to be a whole year since he's recovered from his ACL. He's, he's been declining a little bit. So grab another guy opposite. He can be a great third option. And I think that you'll, you'll make jumps in this offense. We've been talking about this physicality, especially on the offensive line now for a couple yeah, seasons. Important. They got an opportunity once again, David and LT, you know this coming out of that backfield to address some of those things, some of those issues in the draft. They got six draft picks, got one in the first yeah. round and the second round. So maybe it's a wide receiver. Maybe it's one of those guys up front in the offensive line. Meanwhile, I say Rex Ryan's name in a meeting, Tom, and everyone's face just sort of lights up. What's the potential for him heading to Denver and being their defensive coordinator? 
Well, Mike, Rex Ryan had an in-person interview with the Broncos over the weekend. He was there for multiple days meeting with Sean Payton and company. He is certainly a top candidate for the position, even though Rex hasn't been an NFL coach since the Bills let him go six years ago, has not been an NFL defensive coordinator in 15 years. Obviously, Sean Payton knows Rex's track record, though, has competed against him enough to go down this potential path. Vance Joseph, the Broncos former head coach, also interviewed in person, was back in that same building in Denver recently. He's also a candidate with the Eagles and remains a candidate in Denver, Mike. Yeah, Tom, it's kind of crazy here. At the top of the show, we showed those images of Rex Ryan. Last time he was coaching, the shake weight was an actual thing. So things have changed a little bit in NFL circles. But here's the good news, though. If Rex is the guy, he is absolutely going to be set up for success, MJ. The Denver defense, they did a nice job most of the season. In fact, ranking in the top seven in total yards allowed, yards per play, and third down percentage. Um, I do know a few people who still own shake weights, <laughs> just for the record. Not saying it's anybody Not in us. this room, but I know they're out there. Um, LT, your former coach, you've been in that room, ordered to get snacks from Rex Ryan. Your um, reaction to him potentially returning to the sidelines in Denver. Do you like that? Yeah, yes and no, MJ. Hmm. I really don't because obviously he will have to play the Chargers twice a year. <laughs> and I don't want to see that. Um, you know, but I do like it for Rex because he's an outstanding defensive coordinator and maybe one of the best we've ever seen. When you think about the havoc that Rex Ryan creates on the defensive side of the ball, he understands how to attack your blocking scheme. And he creates chaos along along your offensive line so that someone is coming free, a linebacker, a safety, maybe even a corner. And it all starts when he has a really good corner. And he has one in Pat Sertain Jr. So you put Rex, Rex out there on that defense, man, and, and Denver – you know, they, they're, they're going to have a winner, no doubt about it. He's going to attack, attack, and attack. And when you can't do it anymore, he's going to do it again. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love Rex Ryan. I love, the, I love the ability to go get the quarterback. I love the ability to make the quarterback uncomfortable. MJ, we saw in the Super Bowl what Steve Spagnuolo was able to do with a young secondary. And I think that that is the era that we find ourselves in. I know he hasn't been a defensive coordinator for 15 years, but he still knows how to, like, to Danian's point, get after the protections, like attack your protections. And there was a series of events that happened in the Super Bowl where Steve came after Jalen and they got there and they ended up forcing a punt. Kadarius Tony runs it down and that's pretty much the Super Bowl. So I think you're in an era where there's so many good offenses out there and so many good offensive coaches and good quarterbacks, especially in the AFC West. Like Sean Payton understands what he has to do. He has to battle against these guys, Pat Mahomes, my man, LT's guy. I mean, all these guys are going to be out there dicing people up. So if you can make him uncomfortable, force maybe an extra two or three possessions where they don't go down and get points, then that gives your offense a chance. I love the move. I think Rex is going to be brilliant there. It's a power move in a division that we anticipated being far more competitive yeah. than it actually was this season. Something like this can definitely no shake things up. All right, that's not the only coaching news around the league. Congratulations to our friend and I suppose now oh, yeah. former colleague D'Angelo Hall joining the Panthers coaching awesome. staff, assisting the DBs group. Amazing addition there for Carolina. You love to see it. D'Angelo Hall, uh, one of, you know, our close friend here on the show, such a great analyst now lending his, yes, yeah, snaps for <laughs> D. Hall. And you, this is something that he's been talking about for a while and, and I'm glad that it's come to fruition in a situation like this. Well, he walks into that building and he yeah. instantly has street cred because he got Right. walks in as a player, obviously, with the ability that he had. The guys are instantly going to listen to him, mm -hmm. and then he's going to be able to actually give them sound, concrete stuff to go out and work on. And they got a great young defense, too, with some good corners. I think J.C. Horn's going to benefit. All those yeah. guys are going to benefit from that. I know I'm not alone on this. Email popped in over the weekend. I'm like, damn. Oh, I'm yeah, happy for him, him, sad for us. That's really That's what right. it comes down You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade 
with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. Question, who are the eight teams that have the biggest Super Bowl window of opportunity for Super Bowl 58? That is, of course, hosted in Vegas next year. Well, according to Bucky Brooks in reverse order, they are the Jags. The Bills, the Cowboys, the Chargers at five, the 49ers at four, the Bengals at three, the vanquished Eagles at two, and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs at one. Jags, Bills, Cowboys, Bolts, Niners, Bengals, Eagles, Chiefs. Those, according to Bucky Brooks, are the eight teams with the biggest window of opportunity to make a run at Super Bowl 58. Do you agree? Are you bummed not to hear your team's name mentioned in that list? Yeah, me too. For more, let's send it out to the TA set. Perfect time to look ahead to next year. Love Bucky it. Brooks has released his top eight teams with the biggest Super Bowl yes. window. You can see them right here, starting with the Chiefs. You can't throw the word dynasty around, not have them at number right. one. But from the rest of this list, that's where we will do our deep dive. By the way, you can see the full article from Bucky Brooks over at NFL.com. Any of these stand out to you? Like, I don't know, maybe uh, the yeah. Eagles there? Really stands out. <laughs> I think that these windows, right? We talk, Bucky's talking about the window being open. I think what's holding that window open mm. is, is important. The yeah. quarterback for the Eagles is holding it open. You can now take Jalen, depending on what you do contractually, and put pieces around him because what he showed in the Super Bowl to me was elite stuff. Yeah. We all asked for him to take strides in the passing game. I talked about it all week leading up to the Super Bowl. He's going to have to push the ball outside the numbers. He's going to have to be perfect. He was perfect yeah. outside the numbers. You could not have been better. So, for me, Jalen Hurts keeps this window open as they continue to put good pieces around him. Their window is going to be open for a while. Yeah. You know, the only thing that really can limits them is if he goes out and asks for $50 million a year. Right. But when I listen to him talk, it sounds as though he cares more about winning than the big paycheck, which is, is hard to do as a young guy, but he's a special breed. So, I like I like him a lot. Even with the fact that they lost both coordinators and there's a lot of free agents it's that they have today, over. I'm still not worried about this Eagles yeah. team based on what we saw. That's the right. Cowboys here at number six, Mike, Mike McCarthy now uh, yes. calling the plays there, and they still have to get over this playoff hump. Of I'm course. glad you said that, MJ, because this Super Bowl window is more like a crack, right? It's not necessarily <laughs> letting any draft. air in. Got it. Like, they haven't really shown me. We talked about earlier in the segment, you know, you got your offense coordinators leaving. 20 to 30% of your offense is going to be different. Mm -hmm. We've asked them to be more physical. They have on the defensive side. I think Dak's a great young quarterback, obviously. They need to add a piece at wide receiver. They have some issues. They don't necessarily have the identity on offense to compete with some of these guys. I mean, we know who the Eagles are. We know who the Chiefs are. We know who the Bengals are. All these guys on offense, we know who they are. The Cowboys don't really have an identity, right. which is kind of interesting to me that they have a Super Bowl window. We'll see if they can add some of these pieces and if Mike McCarthy can solidify that physicality. I think that's going to be the key for them. Yeah, there's, physical. there's still a lot to be said, too, about the run game where exactly. those like big tent poles come That's there. Right. Zeke 
little questionable at yeah, the end of the year. Yeah, we did the tight end position, a lot of questions. Right, right. Um, all right, let's go to the Bills. Look, I yeah. spoke with Bill Safety Jordan Poirier last week on Radio Row, and he said, admittedly, they were gassed at yeah. the end of the year. All that that team had been through, but yeah, still, sure. this was a team that many of us thought would be in at State Farm Stadium come Super Bowl. I think that there was a moment, MJ, and you remember this, for about two months where we were talking about them being the best team in football for about two months, right? And, yeah. and I think towards the end of the year, obviously with what happened on the field with their teammate, I think that's emotionally draining. It, how can it not be, yeah. right? So you almost feel like you're a team of destiny. Then you find yourself down in a game and you start to question that. So I think that with Josh Allen, his ability to make physical plays, that is the only thing that concerns me is a lot of times when I watch them play, as great as he is, a lot of it is reliant on these clips that we're showing, mm-hmm. him making these heroic type plays. And I don't think that it's sustainable. I don't think you can count on that every week. Like you can count on the Eagles run game or you can count on Pat Mahomes or Eric Bieniemy or Andy Reid dialing up these brilliant offensive schemes in the red zone, having 38 red zone touchdowns like the Chiefs had. I think there has to be something said to that. So the defense in Buffalo, maybe it looks different. Maybe some of those guys move on. I still think there'll be a good unit with Sean McDermott. But for me, Josh Allen can't be the key that runs this entire thing with the run game, with the pass game. And so much is asked. Even in the pass game, there's not a lot of easy completions for him out there. It's all very difficult. So they got to really look at that. I think if they do that, they have the ability to keep this window open for a while. Oh, and don't forget what the rest of the division is doing, what the yeah, Dolphins gonna, are doing aggressively, the Jets as well. So yep. that's going to be one to watch that's for right. sure. It is the scouting season, and the NFL calendar roughly reads like this. First, you got the combine, then the pro days, then the draft, except it's combines, plural starting with the second annual HBCU Combine, which kicked off today down in NOLA, New Orleans, Louisiana, on the practice fields of the New Orleans Saints. Here's Steve Weich and Scott Pioli with more. All right, 31 and 32 NFL teams represented here with scouts, but the one NFL general manager was here was Steelers GM Omar Khan, and he told players after the morning session here at the Combine, these scouts aren't here for Mardi Gras. They're here to see you. So, Scott... Who did you see on the offensive side of the ball who really caught your attention? You know, I don't normally like to talk about skilled players, but Xavier Smith from Florida A&M, wide receiver who had huge numbers, 281 career receptions in four seasons. We didn't know how big he is now. His body type didn't look like exactly what we want, but the dude flew today, 4.42 in the 40-yard dash. And again, this is a player who has the tools, has the skills, has all the developmental things that you want in a player. And he's also a kick returner. As we talked earlier, Steve, it's great to have players that are developmental and can do a multiple a multitude of things. And along those lines, Alabama A&M wide receiver mm-hmm. Isaiah Cox. Now, here's someone who only had 33 receptions last year at Alabama A&M, but a big-time playmaker, huge speed in the 40 as well, that return ability. He absolutely stood mm-hmm. out. Okay, Scott, now let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the, the guy I couldn't wait to see today was Joshua Pryor yeah. out of Bowie State. Bowie State is a top Division II program in the country. Made the Final Four a couple of years ago. And this is a guy who had 76 tackles for loss during his career, which is unheard of. And then he also had 31 and a half sacks. And as I said earlier, Steve, I don't care what league you're playing. I don't care who you're playing against. You put up numbers like that, you are going to be, you got a chance. And Jackson State cornerback, Deshaun Warren. This is an Mm. interesting prospect. Someone who came out of JUCO, went to, committed to Georgia, ended up at Jackson State. Wasn't even all conference. But after the workouts today, there were all kind of teams lining up to talk to him. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Scott. Now, as for the NFL Scouting Combine, which starts eight days from today, that's February 28th through March 6th, let's bring in our good friend, Mikey. And Mike, you have waited long enough. But before we get to the Combine, let's get to fandom, to your fandom. Mike, your Giants have the 25th pick. Well, technically the 26th, we've been through this, some shenanigans, that's right, I said that, shenanigans, I guess I should have said, down in Miami, have the orange and aqua forfeiting the 21st pick. So you will be picking 25th overall. In your perfect world, who is it or what is it? What position group do you want to address? Hit me with it. Yeah, to me, look, I think there's a couple different ways that Joe Shane and the Giants can go, but... Andrew, how many times during the course of the season did we say, can you imagine what Brian Dayball would be able to do with a complement of wide receivers that would be somewhat upgraded at times? And I think he made, you know, chicken soup out of, you know, not a whole lot of broth and not a whole lot of chicken this season. I was pumped Isaiah Hodgins just got a new deal. But to me, 
This is a pretty decent class in terms of those wide receivers. I know on a lot of our mocks on NFL.com, Zay Flowers is a name that's popped up out of Boston College. I, I would love to see him wearing a, a Giants uniform. He was a guy that actually did not play at the East-West Shrine game. Um, but you know, he was there and the NFL people that were there that I talked to will tell you that he was, you know, the best wide receiver, um, you know, that's considered that was there in Vegas. Uh, Jordan Addison's another kid out of USC. He was a transfer who I think could be potentially available um, late in that first round. So wide receiver to me is the position group. Okay. Very interesting, Mikey. So wide receiver, the position group that is standing out to you Special attention to Zay Flowers from Boston College, as you said, didn't play in the East-West game, but was considered the best guy there. Special consideration from you to a former consensus four-star recruit. He was a top 35 guy at his position, a very good senior bowl, but a slight health issue for Michael Wilson out of Stanford. Uh, no question. Um, you know, when Michael Wilson was coming out, Andrew, I talked to a couple of people and, and it was obvious to me, hey, special teams guy, probably maybe a fringe undrafted drafted player. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, we we did our senior bowl recap show on NFL Network the other day. And DJ had sort of said the same thing that he had said during the game broadcast. Michael Wilson and Jim Nagy was saying the same thing. Michael Wilson has played himself into getting drafted um, at the end of April as a wide receiver. I think he is still going to be a guy that you'll see in the return game we saw some of that from him when he was at stanford but he balled out in the senior bowl had plenty of great moments a tremendous week of practice by all the accounts that uh, of the people that were there for that particular one michael wilson to me is a guy that you're going to see later in this draft and whatever team gets him is going to get a good guy also you know i know that stanford program probably better than than a lot of folks out there also a team captain um for the stanford cardinal and for those who are like well how big of a deal that is let me just tell you, if you go to the farm and you're around that team, and I know it's a new regime and David Shaw is not there at this point, but there is something special that happens uh, on that campus. And to be one of the team leaders on a squad like that, that to me is meaningful. So he's going to be a great locker room guy. Mike, your perspective, uh, your POV uh, at an event like the East-West Shrine game is so interesting because as we are reminded every year and we are schooled by you guys every year, the game itself in some ways, in many ways, pales in comparison in terms of the importance to NFL scouts. It pales in comparison to the week of practice leading up to the game. It is really in those practices that these young men have an opportunity to put themselves on the map if they weren't already there or to keep themselves on the map if they were already there or maybe to change right their location from maybe lower on somebody's draft board to higher and higher and higher depending on how their week of practice goes. A couple other wide receivers I'm going to hit you on, Kaz Allen and Jalen Cropper, both guys who stood out to you. And from your reporter's notebook, tell me about Kaz Allen. Tell me about Jalen Cropper. Why did they catch your eye? Yeah, I'll talk about Cropper first, because I actually had an opportunity to talk to his offensive coordinator, who was his position coach in Pat McCann. You know, he focused in on the fact that this is a guy that led this team in pretty much every major statistical category the last couple of years. He was a four-star kid coming out of school and had the opportunity to go to better programs. And by better, it's not a knock on Fresno. I just mean power five programs, the Utahs, the Oregons, the Cows, and the Nebraskas of the world. He's from that area and just sort of decided, hey, I want to stick and stay uh, closer to home, which is why he ended up at Fresno State. But the speed and the athleticism to me when we were in Vegas stood out dramatically. I still look at some of the plays that he made in practice. And to me, he sort of stood out. I talked to Jerry Neuheisel, who's the wide receivers coach at UCLA about Kaz Allen. And it was funny. I'd have multiple calls with Jerry because there was a group that had committed Jake Bobo, for example, one of those players. Kaz was a late ad here. What's fascinating about him, he's he's kind of this hybrid kid, a running back slash uh, wide receiver. To me, the most impressive thing about him, when I watched him, actually try to make some plays in Vegas. It was really kind of a spectacular uh, return specialist. You talk to a couple of the the NFL people, you talk to a couple of the coaches that were there for the week at practice. And to a man, they would tell you, Kaz Allen was the best returner in Las Vegas. So I don't know if he gets drafted, but I've seen it. Look, Britton Covey is a guy, a special teams return dude when he was at Utah. We saw him in the Super Bowl. He's another guy playing for the Eagles. So there's room for a lot of these players. We can highlight when the draft comes around, Andrew, and we will on this podcast. We will on Total Access. The first round guys, the second round guys, those are are the immediate impact dudes that you expect to really ball out in the position that they played in college. There's so many of these 
other guys who are going to have a big impact on special teams and then potentially work them, themselves into you know some of those positional uh, spots. And I think Kaz Allen's one of those guys. And if anybody has any doubts about the power of the importance, I should say, of a great return game, just look at what Kadarius Toney was able to do in that Super Bowl for a Chiefs team that at that point had really been outplayed by the Eagles and turns a 65-yard uh, Super Bowl record punt wow. return into a short field for the most dynamic player we've seen to come around in a long, long time, number, wearing number 15 in white, Patrick Mahomes. And we saw what that did to the complexion and the script for that game. You know, rather important game, Super Bowl 57. Michael, I want to hit you on a couple other position groups before I let you go. I'd be remiss not to ask you about quarterback. Quarterbacks move the needle. They yep. drive the league. They certainly are will drive the narrative come the draft. Now, a lot of years, it's unfair of that to be the case. But this year, obviously, a lot of attention going to the top four guys. Many experts believe those top four guys will be gone within the first 16 picks. Others see them spread out more evenly throughout the first 32. But I think we can agree. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, those guys will very likely be gone by the end of the first round. But as we also know from our history, you look at where a guy like Russell Wilson was drafted. And of course, the ultimate example of all examples, Tom Brady in the sixth round. Talk to me about a kid. We know about Fresno State quarterbacks around our shop with David Carr, of course, and with Derek Carr always lately on the brain. Talk to me about the kid from Fresno who caught your eye. You know, I, how about recency bias, Andrew? Because you were talking about like the, the the guys that are the exception to the rules and the standouts. And you're right, Tom Brady is certainly in that mix. I thought you were going to give me a Brock Purdy reference by being Mr. Irrelevant there. but Well, uh, it would have been more topical. It would have shown my age a little less had I given you the Brock Purdy <laughs> reference. You're absolutely right. Mr. Irrelevant, hardly. Not anymore. Look at what the kid is doing. Yeah. You know, it's sort of fascinating, the conversation around quarterbacks. There was a podcast, and God, this is over a year ago now. So I do encourage people maybe to even check out um, moving. In the sticks with with Bucky Brooks and with Daniel Jeremiah, they did an analysis of draft position for quarterbacks and why it doesn't necessarily matter if you got a first round pick and you use it on a QB because it's kind of a wash where some of these guys net out. And you mentioned some of the guys that we think are going to be gone in that first round. I'll throw a Hendon Hooker's name into that mix. I'll throw Tanner McKee. I don't know if those are first round guys, but you know, you look at the draft boards and where they're ranked. You mentioned the kid out of Fresno State and Jake Hayner. I, I want to paint the picture here because you mentioned David Carr. Jake Hayner has balled out. He was at the Senior Bowl. He was the offensive MVP. The guy was terrific there. And if you you sit there and you say, well, look at the, the pedigree. It's Fresno State. He's gone toe-to-toe with some of the biggest programs like SC, for example. I saw that game and I'm like, oh my Lord, this dude can play. A year ago was saying the same exact thing. And if you don't know Jake's story, he was in the quarterback room with Chris Peterson at Washington. That squad had Jake Browning that year, who finished sixth in the Heisman vote. It's the last time a Pac-12 team had gotten to the college football playoff was because of that Washington team. Well, guess what? When Jake was about to leave, and look, he's he's kind of bounced around on practice squads, um, you know, around the NFL. Jacob Eason decides to transfer there. Well, Jacob Eason is a Washington kid. He's got that huge arm. So Chris Peterson had a tough choice, named Eason the starter, but told Hayner he would play. The respect, people will tell you, Hayner's live arm at practice, and I was at a few of those practices. Hayner looked better at times than Jake Browning did. And Browning was the guy that ended up, you know, was a starter, was the upperclassman. Jake Hayner was so upset, decided to transfer to Fresno State, where he's put up some prolific numbers. The fact that he was able to play the way that he did at the Senior Bowl, to me, look, I don't know if he's going to be one of the first five quarterbacks taken off the board, but there's no doubt in my mind, Jake Hayner is going to land on an NFL squad. I hope you're listening, Jake Hayner. That is a vote of confidence and one hell of an endorsement from somebody who knows. Mike Yam, let's look at a couple other position groups. This you know, we were on a meeting earlier today when one of our draft experts quickly sounded off and said, guys, don't forget, this is a tight end rich oh, yeah. draft. You don't often hear that. There's a guy who caught your eye. Tell me about Luke Musgrave. Oh, my Lord. I, You know, I got to tell you, I... For people who don't know, I spent about 10 years covering the Pac-12, so certainly have an eye on the programs out on the West Coast. And Luke Musgrave, uh, I watched the first two games of Oregon State this season. Andrew, when I tell you this kid was making grabs where I go, who is this dude? Where has he been? 
Jonathan Smith, their head coach, has done a remarkable job turning out talent. I mentioned Isaiah Hodgins. But guess what? He was an Oregon State kid as well. Musgrave has had great moments. And, you know, Andrew, you and I were talking off air. You said, hey, let's dig a little deeper on some, some of the guys that we're going to talk about on this podcast. I almost feel guilty bringing up Luke Musgrave's name to you because he's generating more buzz. I've seen on the bottom line scrolling on NFL Network, Musgrave's name in the first round. He's going to be a first round kid. Michael May is the cream of the crop. He's considered the best tight end of that group. I think a close second is either Musgrave, it's Dalton Kincaid, the kid out of Utah. In fact, I'd make an argument. If, if Andrew, you want Mayer, I'll take Musgrave. If you want Musgrave, I'll take Kincaid. Like you throw these dudes into a hat and I think whatever team gets any one of these players is going to be really happy. And Darnell Washington, the kid out of Georgia, also a super talented kid as well. Um, Mayer out of Notre Dame is considered the, the best of that group. But my Lord, Musgrave is a spectacular watch. We saw that in the Senior Bowl, and I am very confident we're going to see that on Sundays. Well, if we only had a recent example of an important game in which a tight end played a significant role, then really, you know, this argument would have a lot, (laughs) this conversation would have a lot more weight. Oh, hold on. Hello, Travis Kelsey. Before I let you go, we're going to hear from Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson a little bit later on, on his keys to conquering the combine. He's going to be talking specifically about running backs and ways, uh, not tricks, by the way, let's talk, let's be clear about that. Very real, discernible, tangible ways in which running backs at the combine can catch the eye of NFL scouts. Well, a couple of these running backs have caught your eye already. Zach Charbonnet, Jordan Mims. Give me the 30-second elevator pitch on these guys. Mims was the most consistent back in Vegas. Uh, another kid out of Fresno State. Xavier Valade, by the way, out of ASU. I would have made the argument he should have been the game MVP in that game. Mims, look, the two best offensive players in that game in my mind were Valade and Mims, two running backs. So, and then the Charbonnet mention, I don't know if there was a more violent runner in college football over the last two seasons than Zach Charbonnet. I, I don't know if we can give out nicknames. If if you said to me, what's a nickname for Charbonnet? I'd say Punisher. I mean, the way that this kid ran for Chip Kelly, once again, coming from a guy who's been a coach at the NFL level, I think that's going to reap some benefits here. I think this is a really good class. Um, Bijan Robinson, the kid out of Texas, he's probably the first one that's going to be taken off the board. I don't think we're going to have to wait too long uh, to hear Zach Charbonnet's name. I think he's a day two guy, but he's going to be a force, man. Kind of reminds me a little bit, um, God, why am I blanking right now on uh, on the kid at, at, in Seattle? We're going to be talking about him on the show, and I apologize, Andrew. Kenneth Walker, excuse me, some comps. Kenneth Walker, the third former Michigan State Spartan, of course. Uh, he lit it up this year and was very, I, I should think, Michael, that he got a lot of votes. Uh, yeah. for, listen, Garrett Wilson ended up with the award, but I should think yeah. even on an injury-shortened season, Kenneth Walker got some love for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Similar running style. You think Charbonnet and you think about Kenneth Walker, dudes that will basically run you over. Um, and you're exactly right. I mean, from he had that breakout, Walker had that breakout game in week five, started week six through the end of the season and let all rookies in rushing yards. He had over a thousand, which is impressive when you consider the sample size. He played in games earlier this season, but really week five is when he broke out. And, and you're right. I think he was definitely on the short list for offensive rookie of the year. Well, in terms of the Punisher, it's interesting that you should describe his game as such, because if we think about a couple of the young running backs who really made a name for themselves this year, Kenneth Walker, certainly on that short list. Damian Pierce is on that short list. And of course, Super Bowl champion Isaiah Pacheco is on that short list. And all of them are described as angry, violent runners in the best possible way. (laughs) You know, if you can say those words with a smile on your face, they certainly conjure up a smile when you see how they run. Our friend Michael Robinson, your good friend Michael Robinson, by the way, make a note of this listener, NFL Explained podcast starring Michael Yam and Michael (laughs) Robinson is very much worth a listen But of course, Mike Robb always talks about passion backs, doesn't he? The kind of guys that are so passionate that they bring defensive players off the bench to watch them play. And Pacheco, Damian Pierce, Kenneth Walker, and now you are saying... Zach Charbonnet, baby. Zach Charbonnet. The kid can play Charbonnet. Okay, before I let you go, let's not be so myopic about offensive players in the NFL. Well... 
Okay, let me give you one more offensive player that I want you to talk about, but he's an O-lineman out of North Dakota State. There's not something you expected to hear today. Tell me about Cody. Uh, the redheaded uh, Cody Mock, who has got the, the best smile in the game. I guarantee that anyone who sees his smile will smile. Uh, senior Bowl, kind of a cool story. And I, I say that tongue-in-cheek because he's got a gap in between his two front teeth, kind of like Michael Stram. And during the broadcast, DJ had even said, hey, once he gets drafted, he said he's going to have the cash to go and fix his smile. But I wouldn't fix it because the guy is an absolute machine. Him and Nagy on our Senior Bowl recap show, Cody actually came on with us, talked about the experience, and, and that's tremendous. But I think what was telling about him is the versatility on the offensive line. Nagy had said it specifically. That one other player in Mobile on the offensive line on either one of those teams could do what Cody was able to do. So just keep an eye on Cody Mock, whose name will be called probably, uh, you know, I don't know if he's a late first round guy or not, but definitely probably in round number two. Mock draft, mock draft, M-A-U-C-H draft. Let's keep an eye on Cody. You say Strahan, I think Letterman when I think of the gap between the two front teeth. Okay, we could not. We could not celebrate D'Angelo Hall as we will here in a moment without calling out the name of a cornerback. Nehemiah Shelton, talk to me about this playmaker. Out of San Jose State, I talked to his coach, Brett Brennan, before Vegas, and he said, look, man, he is. you're going to love talking to him. And he was exactly right. I did. A four-year starter, led the team in interceptions and pass breaks up, pass breakups the last two seasons. And I, I think what's sort of fascinating about him was – Another kid who came up in big moments in their biggest games was able to generate turnovers. And again, in Vegas, when you know NFL people are watching, he's got an interception in that game. And Andrew, you had said this a little bit earlier. You know, you talk about these players in their path. He's the one guy, you know, Andrew, you go to all these like all-star games and you talk no, to Michael, them. you, you okay. go to all these all-star well, games. So you, I stay at home and do this from my couch. Please expound. <laughs> so when you go to these all-star games, a lot of times you'll ask these coaches, Hey, who popped? And they feel so guilty that more times than not, they don't want to name one player. So you either get a list of the entire damn roster or occasionally they slip and they slipped on Nehemiah Shelton. And we were in the team meeting and we had asked about guys in the secondary and they singled him out. And I was happy for him because he is a charismatic player. But what was fascinating about what they singled him out for was not necessarily his play on the field, which by the way, they spoke highly of and he did have the interception in the game. They said Nehemiah Shelton is the kid who's reminding everyone to pick up after themselves after a team meeting. And I sat there and I said, man, all these NFL teams, they're going to talk to your coaches. They're going to watch the film. They're going to see you at the combine. They're going to see you in these all-star practices and in the game. But what are you doing when they talk to a staff member and say, hey, he's the one reminding guys to go pick up after themselves. It's these little things that can make the difference. And Andrew, when you get NFL guys who have actually played in the game and been in these locker rooms, they will tell you a lot of times just being a good dude if it's close, it sometimes is enough to keep you in that locker room and getting those game checks because you're going to be able to resonate with some of those players in there and, and just fit in really well. Well, we always talk every year, don't we? This annual conversation about high character guys. Yeah. Um, some people raise an eyebrow at that, but I think you're talking specifically about the kind of things, those little nuances that really separate the wheat from the chaff, right? We saw yeah. last year what a moment of grace, a moment of humanity did for the stock of Malik Willis. And you talk about a captain in Michael Wilson out of Stanford. You talk about a guy like Nehemiah Shelton, who just those little things, those little things that prove to NFL scouts, he's not just a top quality player. He'd be a great teammate, a great guy in the locker room. I'm going to have you finish on someone you call one of the more unique players in the draft that caught my attention. Please, Michael Yam, let's have you finish with the name Jack Coletto. It sounds like a character from a Jack Ryan novel. Talk to me about Jack Coletto. Who is he? Inside linebacker, I believe. Why is he so unique? Inside linebacker, fullback, H-back, played a little quarterback. That's why he's unique. Paul Horning Award winner, which is actually given to the nation's most versatile player. What's fascinating about his story is whenever he came out onto the field, people would go crazy. He just got a nose for the end zone. I call him the most unique player because when I talked to him ahead of Vegas, I said, hey, man, are you I know you like you play defense. You got tackles. You got tackles for a loss. You know, you got pass breakups. Do you are you trying to be 
a defensive guy or are you going in as an offensive player? And he said, look, I'm handing to Vegas as an offensive guy. I said, you know, uh, the Patriots staff is the one that's handling. It was the Falcon staff handling one team, the Patriots staff handling the other. I said, if Bill Belichick says, yo, you want to get some reps on defense? What are you going to say? He goes, if Bill Belichick says jump, I say how high? Of course, I'm going to take some reps on the defensive side. That's exactly what happened. I was watching one of those practices. He's coming off the field. I said, man, you got some reps on the defensive side. He's like, yeah. When you talk to the staff about him, they had said he caught on so quickly on the defensive side that they kind of felt like they needed to try to use him on that side of the football. I call him unique. I don't know where he lands. He's probably a special teams guy somewhere, but a great kid with a crazy story got recruited as a quarterback. To see him now coming out of the backfield, playing some of that H-back role is really unique. The key for him is how fast is he going to run? But he's another guy on the DL. Coaches were were name-checking when we were in Vegas. I love that for us. Jack Coletto, am I saying it correctly? Oh, yeah, the hammer, baby. The ears will be open for Jack Coletto. Do you see him sliding? Could he be the next Brock Purdy? Is a Jack Coletto <laughs> the kind of guy that if he falls to the end of the final round, that somebody will pick him as Mr. Irrelevant and like Brock Purdy? Next year, we will be talking about the Swiss Army knife. That is the, the highly versatile Jack Coletto. And we'll see what he does for a team like, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you where versatile guys do well. Teams like, oh, I don't know, the Philadelphia Eagles and oh, the yeah. Kansas State. Chiefs. If you can show versatility, you show high character, you find yourself on an NFL roster. My God, the sky is the limit. And of course, in our case, the Super Bowl is the limit. Mikey M, I want to thank you so much for your time today. The fact is, you know more about this stuff than we do. It's why we love having you on. Thank you for drawing our attention to some names that are not on our short list. They are not that top half of the draft. You're making us smarter, wiser NFL fans. And Mike, we thank you for it. I cannot let you go without asking you one final question. Mike M, the New York Giants, 2023 NFL draft will be a success if what? If we do exactly what we did a season ago, which is that front office doing their homework and just getting hits. I felt great about the picks that they got. I think there's some more holes on this roster. I said wide receiver is one of them. Would not mind to see them take either, you know, another corner could certainly help. Maybe they go in the draft. Maybe it's one of these guys um, that we're going to see with that pick at 25 or 26, whatever we're calling it now at this point. I could (laughs) also see them go in corner uh, and trying to get one of those elite guys. But Joe Shane, that staff, Kudos to them a season ago. Brilliant. Mike Am, thank you so much. You're the best, man. Always appreciate the invite. And finally, the last word today goes to the Hall of Famer, LaDainian Tomlinson. In my family, our love for the running back was a zigzagging line that stretched from Gail Sayers, who was my father's favorite, to Sweetness, who was his next generation favorite, to Earl Campbell, to John Riggins, to Barry Sanders, to LaDainian Tomlinson. And I can still remember the incredulous tone of joy and pride that I shared with my old man when I announced to him that I sat across the conference table from LT on my very first day at the NFL Network. Anyway, I digress. LT is here with a running back's guide to the combine. Who is he looking out for? And more importantly, what is he looking out for? And maybe more importantly than that, what are NFL scouts looking out for? Hey, running backs, you of the prospect variety, listen up. You need to hear this. LT, I I think about the success that you had as a pro. You know how important it is to show out at the combine. What's the mission for a lot of these running backs? I, I think nowadays the first uh, first and foremost got to show your dexterity, your your ability to catch the football out of the backfield. I mean, that's going to help you. In addition to that, I mean, running backs have to show quickness, you know, how quick they are in and out of the hole, through the backs, you know, jump cuts, and then speed and acceleration. Once you get through the hole, how quick are you getting up on the safety? All these things you can show – and in, in the, in the combine drills, what you're seeing on your on your screen. And last but not least, simply running routes. Are you fluent in dropping your hips and, and cutting? Those types of things uh, is things that they must show when they get to the combine. Uh, LT, I was looking on NFL.com at a lot of the mock drafts and certainly the rankings positional-wise. Bucky Brooks actually put out his top five running backs, and here's the list now. Robinson gets a ton of attention. In fact, most of the mocks on NFL.com, he's the first running back taken off the board. But if you are a fan of UCLA football, Zach Charbonnet, 
loved watching this kid. I, I don't know if I'm qualified to give nicknames to any players considering my stature, but I would say he's like the punisher out there. The dude just runs over guys. But LT, what about for you, man? Who's the guy that you can't wait to go and see? Yeah, Zach is, is a real good one. I, I enjoy watching him this past season at UCLA. Obviously, Bijan is is the class, uh, you know, the, the class of, of this class, I should say. But a guy that I'm looking at is Jameer Gibbs, you know, the guy from Alabama who actually started at Georgia Tech and transferred uh, to Alabama. But you look at this guy, and, I mean, he is quick as, as all get out, very explosive in short area spaces, can catch the ball out the backfield. And this guy has speed to burn. If he gets to the combine – and he runs like a 4-2. I mean, look out. He might rocket up the, the draft boards, much like a guy like Chris Johnson did uh, many years ago. Another guy that um, I really uh, loved watching in college, but I can't wait to see what he's going to do at the combine is Kendra Miller. Kendra, you know, really is a prototypical size NFL back, and I believe he has the skill set to play at the next level. He's a workhorse, very patient, has good vision and good speed. He doesn't have great speed, but he has good speed. He's a punisher. And if he runs a good time, I really believe this is a kid that can slide into maybe the late second, early wow. third round of the draft. LT, why not give a little love to a TCU kid, right? I mean, you, you guys turned out okay, so maybe we'll see Miller ball out and get an opportunity on Sundays. I want to thank all of today's participants and contributors, especially our guest here in the studio, Mike Yam. Please join us tomorrow. Tomorrow is Franchise Tag Deadline Day. What happened and what happens now? Those are the two big questions related to Franchise Tag Deadline Day. Plus, David Carr has a guide to combine quarterbacks. We did running backs today. We'll get to the quarterbacks tomorrow. That's right, quarterbacks. You actually had to wait in line for once. That's tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.